Hello everyone, welcome to the Yukon Internal Medicine Ambulatory Podcast Series. In this podcast, we will talk about asthma, covering its definition, epidemiology, clinical manifestations, diagnosis, and management in the outpatient setting. First, how do we define asthma? According to the Global Initiative for Asthma, or GINA, asthma is a chronic inflammatory disorder of the airways in which there is a history of respiratory symptoms such as cough, shortness of breath, wheezing, or chest tightness. This is accompanied by a variable expiratory flow limitation. Now, let's move on to its epidemiology. The prevalence of asthma historically has been increasing since 1982. The estimated incidence of self-reported asthma is approximately 10% in adults, and most patients report a history of asthma during childhood. However, some studies suggest that asthma is late onset in half of the adults. Asthma accounts for approximately 420,000 deaths per year worldwide. What are the risk factors and triggers for asthma? Risk factors for asthma include a positive family history, obesity, pollution, allergens, smoking, occupational exposures, exercise, cold air, and other conditions such as viral respiratory infections. As you can imagine, some of these risk factors can also be considered triggers for asthma. Furthermore, certain subtypes of asthma are more common during adulthood and are named according to their triggers. For example, occupational asthma, aspirin-induced asthma, aspirin-exacerbated respiratory disease, aspirin-sensitive asthma, and eosinophilic asthma. Clinical manifestations. We suspect asthma in patients with a history of recurrent cough, wheezing, shortness of breath, and chest tightness, in whom there are no other apparent causes such as obstructive pulmonary diseases or heart disease. The differential diagnosis can be broad. Importantly, when working up asthma, it is crucial to keep an open mind and consider all the possible causes such as cardiac, pulmonary, or even gastrointestinal diseases. Our history and physical examination will help determine when we should work up such conditions. One of the main diseases to evaluate is obstructive sleep apnea, for which we can use the stop-bang screening tool. If positive, we can proceed to perform a sleep study. The physical examination of patients with asthma may be normal. Auscultation of the chest can show multiple expiratory high-pitched wheezes. Pale or swollen throat mucosa can point towards an allergic cause. Nasal polyps can also raise a concern for aspirin-exacerbated respiratory disease. What is the best next step in the diagnosis of asthma? Pulmonary function testing is the best next step in the diagnosis of asthma. Spirometry, usually done pre- and post-bronchodilator, is used to determine the presence of obstruction or airflow limitation and the degree of reversibility of such limitation. The definition of reversibility with bronchodilators is defined as the combination of an increase in expiratory volume of the first second or FEV1 more than 200 ml and more than 12% from baseline after the use of a bronchodilator. Bronchoprovocation testing usually with metacoline can be considered to diagnose airway hyperresponsiveness in patients with an FEV1 more than 65% of predicted when the diagnosis is uncertain. The peak expiratory flow, or PEF, is measured during a brief, forceful exhalation using a simple and inexpensive device. It helps in both the diagnosis and monitoring of patients with asthma. 
Normal adult peak flow scores range between around 400 and 700 liters per minute. Although a reduction in PEF is seen in multiple conditions, an improvement of 20% of the PEF 10 to 20 minutes after the administration of a bronchodilator supports the diagnosis of asthma. Pulse oximetry can also be considered. Finally, consider fractional exhaled nitric oxide testing as an adjunct to diagnostic evaluation only if there is diagnostic uncertainty from history, clinical course, and findings, and spirometry, including bronchodilator responsiveness test, or if the spirometry is not feasible. What are other complementary studies we need to consider? Complementary testing for asthma can include those that help with the identification of potential triggers, such as total serum immunoglobulin E, complete blood count, allergen testing, and a chest X-ray. Chest X-rays are usually needed for patients with chronic purulent sputum, persistent localized wheezing, inspiratory crackles, fevers, or clubbing, as this will prompt us to investigate alternative causes. Let's briefly comment on the classification of asthma. There are two important terms, intermittent and persistent. Intermittent follows a two or fewer rule. That means that symptoms are present two or fewer days per week. There is a need for rescue inhaler two or few times per week and nocturnal awakenings two or fewer times per week as well. Persistent asthma is characterized by two or more exacerbations per year. Asthma can be classified into mild intermittent, mild persistent, moderate persistent, and severe persistent asthma. Now, let's move on to the management. The treatment of asthma is depending upon the classification and severity. The new 2020 GINA guidelines recommend against using short-acting beta agonists or SABA alone due to the risk of increased frequency of exacerbations and deaths. The recommended step one is adding a low-dose inhaled corticosteroid or ICS and long-acting beta agonists or LABA, such as Promotrol, for the treatment of mild intermittent asthma. Step two is a low-dose ACS and, as needed, SABA, usually used for mild persistent asthma. Step three is a low-dose ICS, a LABA, and, as needed, SABA, used for moderate persistent asthma. And step four is moderate to higher doses of ICS, daily lava, and as needed SABA. This is used for moderate persistent to severe persistent asthma. The recommendation is to personalize asthma treatment based on severity as needed to achieve asthma control with the lowest level of medication. Alternative medications to consider are mast cell stabilizers, anti-leukotrienes, and mexilcentines for patients who are not responding well to the usual treatments. Other important steps are education in asthma self-management, monitoring peak flows, subcutaneous allergy immune therapy when indicated, allergy testing, thiotropin addition to ICS, alternative therapies such as yoga, breathing exercise, biofeedback, and others. Patients should be referred to pulmonology if symptoms are difficult to control or moderate persistent asthma, in all patients with severe persistent asthma. How to follow up these patients? We can perform a control in two to six weeks and increasing the level of care of asthma if inadequately controlled. If the patients are stable, we can consider following them in intervals of one to six months, considering increasing to a three-month interval if a step-down therapy is anticipated. It is recommended to repeat spirometry every one to two years to assess the maintenance of airway function. 
Thank you for listening. Please follow us in Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We will see you next week. Goodbye.